Hey listeners, you're tuning in to a podcast about kids in the hall that easily veers off into mature subject matter and includes a whole heck of a lot of swearing. Enjoy the show, eh? Welcome to Kick and Tell, a pop culture podcast focused on the narrowest sliver in the Venn diagram between things nobody cares about and things nobody remembers. <laughs> we'll be reviewing every episode with witty banter, unmissable segments like Brick or Shakespeare, and Kit Slap Fight. I'm Stuart DC, and I'm joined by Hans Seidemann and Hi. Prince Rupert. Kalina <laughs> McCordoff in London, Hello. England. <laughs> Trevor Record in Vancouver, <laughs> Canada. Hello. So demure, Trevor. <laughs> I was trying to be a Vancouver hipster there. I don't know. Did that not work? <laughs> <laughs> I came across. I, I read it. I, it's Gantz. He had his mouth full of brunch. Today, <laughs> mouth full of eggs. Today we'll be reviewing episode 14 of season one, which aired on April 3rd, 1990. Let's kick off with our sketch rundown. Today we got Editors 1, where the book editors discuss what to cut in books and then reality. Stop the World, which is Bobby sings a song about his breakup. His family joins in. They get back together. It gets weird. Editors 2, the tacked on to the end of Stop the World, where they come back and edit some more. Sold the Land, a quick bit with Mark McKinney of a story of a man and his father. Life After Death Guy. The guy has a life after death experience, and Dave Foley's a jackass about it. <laughs> Classic. The Life of a Cat. A jazz cat is a man, and he's also a cat, and there's jazz, and it's really <laughs> weird. So bad. I, why do you hate it so much, Clayton? <laughs> Oh, I loved yeah. it. It's just there was oh a lot of stretching. We'll, we'll get into this. <laughs> a teacher-seacher affair in which a boring teacher has a sexy affair during class. And then editors, again. Ah. Editors discuss what to cut, and it should have been that sketch. <laughs> so the first thing I want to get into is a topic I like to call acting, brick or Shakespeare. <laughs> there are different styles of comedy, and Kith tends to dabble in a few, especially in the first season when they're still like cultivating their voice as a show. But I find that the kids tend to fall into one of two broad categories when selling a scene. They're the ones who get a laugh from timing, and they're those who get a laugh from delivery, or good actors and bad actors. Ooh. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> Obviously, there's a lot of episodes, and there's a lot of scenes in the series, so we're simplifying a bit, and we're talking about generalities. But I think Mark tends to be an actor first and a comedian second. His jokes land when the character gets to deliver the line at the exact right moment. I'm thinking of his dad character in the Stop the World dropping that little... Mm, I don't like anybody. <laughs> this whole performance is Jazz Catman, his monologue in Sell the Farm. But on the other hand, we have Bruce and Kevin who tend to go for the ridiculous laugh. Their characters have over-the-top mannerisms. They do it often and loudly. Bruce's Bobby let loose a shrieking sob whenever anyone mentions the name of his recent ex in Stop the World. <laughs> <laughs> Laura. Ah! No, no, it's not Laura. Ah! <laughs> Kevin's editor shrieks, get rid of it, and his particularly shrill affectation, Kevin's shriek, when editing reality with Scott Thompson. So, for the table, which of the two do you prefer, Brick or Shakespeare? Hans? Oh, man, Stu, that's, uh, that's a very well-thought-out read of the kids' styles. I, I, I tip my hat in your direction there for that. Um, <laughs> I think, you know, I, I mentioned this when we first started this effort that I, I had said that Kevin was always my favorite kid. And, and I think you're right. He does have a humor that depends entirely on his delivery. Mm -hmm. But 
uh, I still really love the way he finds his laughs in his lines. And I, I don't think it's fair to call it bad acting because it takes a ton of mm. skill and intelligence to find a way to deliver a line that might otherwise be totally mundane in such a way that it triggers the delight of playing with your expectations. And Bruce does that well, too. Like, he, he'll take a boring line and deliver the heck out of it and, and make it funny by force of will. Um, <laughs> we get to Gavin. That's going to be so true. <laughs> totally. Exactly. Right. But like that being said, that the more we've gotten into this project, I definitely find myself appreciating Mark more and more for exactly the reason you describe. And and the cat sketch episode uh, has a few misses in it. Just but a when few. He's at his best. <laughs> okay, it has a bunch. But when he's at his best, uh, he he nails those things, and it, and it's entirely the way he does those sketches that makes them work. I think of um, in the Stop the World sketch, he's able to turn mm-hmm. a tiny gesture uh, into gold, where he goes to just suddenly jolt and stand mm-hmm. up to threaten Bob when at the towards the end of the screen or the the scene when Bob is is like make getting mad at his mom and mm-hmm. and just that like jolt to threat uh, m- moment and and mm-hmm. motion is tiny but so funny and it was my favorite part of the sketch you know so yeah if i could just say like the jazz cat man before we hear kalina just crap all over it mm-hmm. like i've got to say i can't imagine anyone <laughs> else in the kids in the hall coming close to being able to pull off what mark does mm. like the whole thing does hang together on his delivery and like on the opposite end of the spectrum i think we've got to like maybe earmark bruce as being the absolute worst actor as as Stu is defining it yes. and can you imagine Stu trying to be the jazz cat man it would just be like meow 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 I'm a jazz cat man yeah. <laughs> Trevor you said you said Stu but I think you meant Bruce but I did try to imagine Stu as cat man and that was also delightful so oh, sorry can we imagine yeah can we imagine Bruce trying to do it I thought I said that uh Stu was just earmarking him as kind of the worst actor true I think Hans called me out, and I should clarify. I, they're all hilarious. All the kids are very talented in their own way. But, like, Bruce does not get the laugh from being a great and subtle actor. He comes from yelling Bruce noises. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, if he was doing the Catman, it would come off much like his flying pig character does. Like, that's exactly what he would do, but in cat form. In cats, mm. yeah. Kalina? But see, I, I argue that timing has a lot more to do with the script than the actual... Then, then delivery does, which you know falls. The delivery falls on the actor more, whereas the line kind of need to be delivered by somebody and needs to happen at a certain time. Mm-hmm. So I think, sort of, um, I think the the acting discussion that we're having almost makes me think more about like the kind of characters that they can pull off, and like that makes me think, yeah, Dave and Mark have such a range, and as does Scott, because I think you see him go from super camp to super manly within two sketches, totally. and it's you know not only just that gender performance, but just you know being like a very, very articulate buddy Cole in some sense, mm. and then uh, becoming uh, the the grunt worker who's helping one of his uh, fellow construction men uh, get mama compensation, which we'll talk about <laughs> later later on this yeah, series. Well, he's um, a literal grunt worker. He just grunts. Yeah, so I mean, I, I think we, sh- we should be talking about who wrote which sketch and which method they ultimately use to get the laughs rather than who's kind of 
delivering and making, you know, the, that perfect timing work. Mm. And then, you know, I, and I think I'm going to take that middle road and say that there's a place for both. And mm. obviously, you know, as a kid, Kevin's delivery like quickly grabs your attention, but often like because it's sort of more about adult or mature subject matter, it just really works with kids in the hall. And, you know, it's kind of like what I tend to think about in the Simpsons where there's an obvious joke for the children and yet a smarter, more subtle joke for the adults in the room underlying it at the very same time. And if you don't have both you kind of have just a shit joke <laughs> <laughs> trevor i or kalina i really like your suggestion of uh paying closer attention to who the writers or those sketches are because i was thinking the same thing that some so much of those um delivery bits uh are are baked into the writing of the sketch mm. so i need to start paying more attention to who wrote those lines because i mm. i think that's uh, important to give credit where it's due I yeah like i don't that. even know where we can find that information but it's not as clear as some other troops where, like, you really know who writes a Monty Python skit. Mm. I think they seem to be a little bit more collaborative. Um, I do know that they tend to pair off into writing partners. Yeah. Like, it was, like, Scott and Mark like to write together, and I think it's probably Bruce and Kevin. Apparently, everyone liked to work with Kevin. Yeah, everyone liked to work with Kevin. I, th- I think that Bruce actually was working on his own slightly more, maybe, from what I remember. Yeah. Mm. Mm. By the way, when I conceived of this, the dichotomy I broke it down into immediately was Kevin and <laughs> oh, Bruce, yeah. you know, the impulse actors, like more about doing the yeah. character, Mark and Scott, the more refined ones, and then Dave right in the middle, in which Dave can actually play a pretty good character if he's making fun of somebody, that <laughs> mm. it's like he'll really sell the character if it's like, look at this fucking rube. Yeah, I think, I think you've got on one side... It's mean to call them bricks, but yeah, Kevin, Kevin and Bruce are like their hams. They always ham it up. And mm. uh, Mark and Scott... Uh, can certainly ham it up, but are also fairly good performers and can sort of disappear into a role. Hmm. But see, sometimes I think I think the the difficulty is that sometimes if they rely too heavily on that sort of more refined acting and they take a very absurd angle, it just it can really it just fall flat. Like, off. and often it's yeah. like it's in the form of those monologues, and they just fucking drag on. Lopez. And like, it just, and, <laughs> but hey, hey, I think that that was a good that was a good moment for Mark. Well, no, but in in this one, Kalina, you know, the cat it was a high water mark. The cat sketch has a bunch of misses, like where he's like. What do you think I would jump at? I, I can't fly. I'm a cat. And it's like, yeah, we, we got that mark, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like the, yeah. And there's no, there's no oh, amount of God. subtle delivery that'll make that funny. Like it, 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 it really belabored a point that like that, if that sketch had been 15 seconds shorter and they'd cut the, the extra bits, it, it would have been a beautiful, perfect sketch. But, mm. um, maybe if it was a, a minute shorter and never appeared, at all. <laughs> <laughs> but then you would miss. <laughs> 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 I love so hard at the band just sort of wailing. I love cat, cat uh, when when Mark does his first jump up into the air and like and swatting at the bird. It was just oh my God. Uh, man, I oh it my was God. delightful. He has a good physicality Jim. Um he I does. would like to move on to our next segment, which I call Format Surrealism. So Kith is never a show that was really like a true garden variety sketch show. They often included fourth wall breaking surrealism into their bits, and this tendency gets more pronounced as the show goes on. Mm-hmm. In this episode, we have the editors popping in to cut reality around them, eventually dictating the boundaries of the show itself. They come mm-hmm. back in two other skits, and it has this weird messing with the audience. We have a demonstration of internal continuity in my routine, where the characters end up occupying the same universe at the end, put a weird little bow on it for no reason other than mm-hmm. to be weird. <laughs> so kids, 
Do you like when the kids in the hall mess with the format of a sketch show in this way? <laughs> so the editor's skit, I, I think it was like very solidly more in the just fourth wall breaking meta humor thing. Um, hmm. uh, whereas like my routine, it wasn't really breaking any fourth walls, but it was just quite surreal. I think it's a really good example um, when you talk about surrealism in this show, um, because it's actually kind of subtle, like. Um, when people talk about sur- surreality, like and kids in the hall, you might first think think of things like the chicken lady or the man with a cabbage for a head, which I guess maybe technically conceptually are surreal. But like the cabbage head guys, it's just about what an asshole he is. Whereas yeah. all the people in my routine, like the <laughs> surreality is like they have this sort of relaxed attitudes. They're like, oh, first thing I like to do is make myself a pot of coffee. I read my newspaper and I uh, put on my shirt. Then I burn my shirt. <laughs> <laughs> you've got it wrong. Uh, you've got it wrong there, Trevor. He he puts on his fresh shirt after he gets out of the shower, <laughs> lights the shirt on fire, goes to the hospital, gets surgery, and then he likes to relax with a newspaper and a coffee. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, thanks, Hans. The cold open with the My Routine with Bruce there being like, mm. I like to grab someone by the lapels, lean in, say, I don't know. I'm on fire. Help me. <laughs> <laughs> something He mentioned something about hair. I'm wearing a shirt of hair or something. like. It, it, oh, he's like, whole, give yeah, me your that. hair. I'm on fire. Oh, give me your hair. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, I lost it. But I, I, I think it's, yeah, I think I should have clarified that it's less about the surrealism, which is always present, but more the idea of like messing with the format to mess with the mm-hmm. watch, the, the viewer. Mm-hmm. That it just kind mm-hmm. of like the skits kind of go off the rails and like in a way that feels like it is trying to disorient you as the individual viewer. Mm-hmm. Well, in that in that sense, I mean, I I did really love in this one the um, the routines and and I and I think it does kind of play with your expectations because right from the get go when Bruce is saying like, well, I'm a golf pro, so I wake up in a dumpster every morning. Like baked yeah. into that line is this total like flipping of and then he and then he's also a dog and he also is psychotic. Like he's just kind of all of these things and it and it definitely um, it definitely throws for a loop I, I think um, it, when you're talking about surreal sketches like I think of other ones like um, uh, Attila the gay lover or yes. where they have you know this kind of strange not strange but but like atypical kind of gay relationship and then uh, and then it turns into a dream sequence there's where uh, I don't know everything just kind of goes weird there's there's boobs on TV like it, those kinds of surreal bits uh, I really love sausages later on in the show um, <laughs> oh, I feel no. like are where they really hit their stride but it's fun to watch these early episodes where they're they're just starting to kind of dip their toe in the water and and uh, see these early forays as well <laughs> but do you do you guys like when it goes like when it goes weird like this so I mean yes. I I I mean, particularly if we're talking about my routine, I just want, I want to give this, I know we'll talk about best and worst sketches in a second, which I'm sure will be very clear to you what I'm already going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I, I do love sort of that, that, those jokes that loop around or reference back to where we started um, and that sort of internal continuity thing. And hilarious side note, and I was planning my move to the UK, I did, I read a really old anthropological book about British culture and it talked about pub chat where that referential humor was heavily referenced. Fun fact. Okay. But uh, anywho, like I, I really, hated the editor's sketch you know um, <laughs> mm. sort of that, that kind of um, 
entering into each sketch and, and cutting it off. I mean, it was it was repetitive. It was garbage. I think I really think like at this point they've really been overusing the breaking of the fourth wall. It's really become like every fifth sketch. It feels like it's just it's just a bit too much. And like it was, it's it's funny in in some context, but it's just it's really when you're watching these episodes back to back, um, you really start noticing it. And um, and the thing is, um, as I said, I, you know, I think sometimes the over-reliance on surrealism is where you have to draw the line with the show. Like, either, you know, use your ham fist in a bit more of a subtle way. Um, Pound that ham and, fist on the table. You know, and some things are just, uh, when they're just weird to be weird, um, it can be fine. But, like, the pear sketch from a few episodes back where it was a dream within mm. a dream within a dream about a pear. Uh, it's, just, it's, just, it's just not funny. It's just not funny. Full yeah. stop. I'll, I'll give you this too, Kalina, that the, a lot of the fourth wall and like meta sketches are, they really feel like theater kids sketches. Like the, mm-hmm. like they're, they're funny if you spend, if you've been a theater rat for the last, you know, 15 years. And, and so it's like, oh, <laughs> like we're going to talk to the audience. <laughs> but it, if you're just watching at home and you're not a theater rat, then it's, it, I think it loses so much of its, uh, it's humor, mm. and and I I look forward to hopefully seeing less of those as we get further into the show, where they become more of a TV show and less of a less of a theater troupe kind of thing. And and it's and it's funny too, like sort of as as I told that weird um, anecdote about that um, sort of British pub humor, it kind of makes me think like you sort sort of where was their influence coming from? You know, sort of some of it was Monty Python was like where were they starting to feel like they were actually mm. kids in the hall, and what was their niche? And um, obviously. Yeah, like they start, it seems like they're really playing around with where they fall on that spectrum. And, you know, the beauty of it is they, they do it, they do fucking all of it. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and obviously, uh, even we disagree which one of those works. So um, they must be doing something right to at least get us all watching. <laughs> I think we'll all, at the end of this series, find out what it means to be a kid in the hall. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> all right, let's put a bow on it. Last segment. Kid slap fight. Best kid, worst kid. But this isn't our last segment, though. There's also sketches. Best sketches. That's true. But that's way to step on your own line there, Stu. Yeah. All right. Fine. Fine. (laughs) Penultimate segment. As is often the case. As is often the case. uh, By default, it goes to Mark. Uh, I think that (laughs) by default, (laughs) there is no merit because as the best performer, he just gets it. If no one else, so I I like the cat sketch. Colleen is just wrong. I think we all agree (laughs) that Colleen is wrong I, you are lucky you're halfway across the world <laughs> <laughs> so slap I, I love, you so hard i love that um yeah i don't, I don't know he, he just he was good in this one i'm gonna go uh mark as well for all the reasons you described there trevor mm-hmm. his cat is delightful his dad is is wonderful his tiny little mm-hmm. selling the farm interstitial is perfectly delivered so another strong mm-hmm. mark week this week um for the worst kid i i go i'm going with dave but I feel, what? but I feel bad about it uh, because <laughs> he's not bad in this episode. He's actually like pretty good in all of his bits. His death experience sketch is a good Dave one because it's the exasperated like uh, you know Dave bit, which which yeah. he does well. And his mother in Stop the World is fantastic. Um, but just when I think of everybody else in this episode, they're all just marginally better than him, and so he picks up worst kid, and I feel bad about it. So sorry, Dave. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, well, I'm going to all redeem him by actually saying best kid goes to Mr. Foley. Mm. So, uh, yeah. well, Hans, you mentioned how much you like loved Bark's delivery when he threatened Bobby in the breakup sketch yes. or Stop the World. I thought it was Dave who really pulled it off with the hand gestures to get him to back off. It, again, that was super subtle. It worked really great. And he just, you know, despite the lines, he just did the perfect meddling mom voice when he gets Bobby and Laura back together. <laughs> and, and, you know, while the teacher sketch was absolute garbage, his quick switch from like being sort of a boring, stuttering history teacher to a, a British spy? <laughs> I mean, it was, it was, was pretty, it was pretty ace. And like, not to mention like his delivery is the washed up songwriter in my routine. So top marks, Dave. Oh, yeah. And worse, I'm going to actually have to give this begrudgingly to Kevin. I don't quite know yeah. if this sketch was just bad, but his role as the after death experience guy fell super flat for me. Should have been more, yeah. a bit more ham fisted there. Sorry, Kev. <laughs> you know, I'm with you on this one. It always hurts to say Kevin is the worst because he's like a sweet little baby bird, but no. <laughs> you just didn't really shine on this one for sure. It feels like if you met him today and told me that was the worst in a particular episode, it would still hurt him a little bit. <laughs> and all of us too. He'd be super nice about it and be like, oh, well, I guess you can't like them all. And then would like go home and like just be devastated. <laughs> Yeah, he'd go watch the episode. He'd be like, "The kid was right." <laughs> He'll watch the episode over and over again while like just wearing a bathrobe and like. It'll become it'll become its own sort of sausages sketch where exactly. he's just locked in his home watching that one sketch over and over and over again. Colleen, I love what you said about Dave. I had a note in my uh, my episode notes about like Dave's drag as put upon mom is one of my favorite mm. iterations that they do. Yes. And that mom is a straight up homie. She has got his back even though Bobby's <laughs> such a dumb shit. She's like, isn't there something you want to ask her? Yeah. Just so long as you're not trying to become an Indian woman. Yeah, exactly. Oh. She was supportive-ish. <laughs> Yeah. Moving on. Moving on. Before we go, <laughs> let's choose our standout sketch, worst sketch, based on how good and bad the episode was. I thought it was a good week. I liked pretty much everything I saw. I really liked Bruce's routine and the I wake up in the garbage. It was that. <laughs> and I loved Mark's benign earnestness throughout the uh, the My Routine one, where he's just so happy, leaning on that post, being like, I, uh, I uh, wake up and uh, <laughs> I have a shower and then I light my shirt on fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, my routine is definitely the be best sketch. Like, there's, there really shouldn't be any question about that. Like, obviously, Stop the World with Bobby yeah. is a close second, but it just, it just didn't, couldn't really hold a flame up to this one. The thing is about my routine is every one of the kids is involved, right? Uh -huh. Except for... Oh shit! Oh shit! No, Scott Thompson's not in it, is yes, he? Yes, he. No, he is. is. He's the construction worker. He's the, yeah. He's the one that runs out of the house naked and puts his clothes on to save time. Oh yes. Yeah. So I guess so. Yes, like my routine is totally the best sketch. Every one of the kids is involved, and I realize that I do like when they you know, take really fucking weird lines into what is an otherwise normal mundane scene. I think that kind of humor really works for me. But as you all must know, I hated the cat sketch. It just wasn't uh, funny. Right, Why did they even yourself. try? I was so annoyed. There was not like, it just, it's just, yeah. Okay. He's, he's a, a man cat. There's a, a cat band. Scott doesn't even play his cat saxophone. This is a recipe for gold. I don't know what's wrong with you, Kalina. There are cats, there are men. <laughs> And there's jazz. Oh my god! <laughs> you know what I think it is? Is I think I think this is maybe a gender divide. You know where 
Kalina's like, uh, uh, whatever, it's cats dress, it's men dressed as cats, and we're all like, you know, expressing our latent desire to dress up as cats as reflected back to us through the kids in the hall, and we're just reveling in it, you know? <laughs> at, this, at this point in time, was like the musical cats a big thing? Is like this why it happened? I mean, it was possibly. still on Broadway, I think, at this point. Yeah, yeah. it would have been Maybe it was a joke. Day. Maybe they're like, maybe what they're saying is, look how bad it is, because look how bad our you know, joke no, about it. It was no. great. It was great what Kalina. I hear you saying, Kalina, is that the sketch has levels that you also didn't understand. Oh, please tell <laughs> me what the subtle levels are. I don't know. There's cats. <laughs> cats represent the soul of an artist within each of us. The jazz represents jazz music. <laughs> the, the melancholy nature of the species. Absolutely. You guys disgust me. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, I won't go so far as to say the cat sketch was my favorite, but um, and, and Stu, you you stole my favorite line from the episode in in my routine. That opening bit with with Bruce is just so amazing, um, and I really love that uh, sketch. But I think this episode I have to give my standout sketch to stop the world, um, if nothing else, just for its place in the kids' oeuvre. Um, because I'm pretty sure this is the first really Bob on the run type sketch where Bob has, you know, something with Laura and he run, leaves the house and things. Um, no, it's the third because there was Bob on the run. There's bad poetry and then Bob on the run. Well, but we haven't had Bob on the run, have we? Because have we had effing good ham yet? No, I don't think so. Have we? Yeah, yeah, we've had. Oh, I thought we did. I don't think we've no, had, we had salty ham. ham. We had salty ham, oh, and, we, and we've had bad poetry. There's so much ham in this series, it's hard to keep track. We've had bad poetry, <laughs> which I feel like is kind of the, the, the seed of the Bob on the run, but this is the first time, I think, where Bob goes yeah. on the run. Um, and we all, it's all the, also, I'm pretty sure the first time we mm-hmm. see, if not uh, a picture, mm-hmm. at least the live version of Laura, who's one of the rare, like, yeah. actual female characters on the show. Um, so just mm. because of its place <laughs> in the, in the pantheon of, of Kids in the Hall, I'm giving it to, I'm, it's, 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 the, it's kicking off the unified Bruce theory. So I'm yes. giving it to, I'm giving it to, uh, to mm. whatever the name of that sketch was. Stop the world. Stop the world. I love that. And I do, I did look it up. It is the same character. It is. And it's Bob. I'm pretty sure this Bob is the Bob Berghart that gets referenced in the Indian woman sketch when <laughs> Dave as the mother says, why can't you just pick up a drug habit like Bob Berghart from down the street? Oh, Bobby. <gasps> oh, that's so good. <laughs> Unified Bruce. <laughs> Unified Bruce theory. Nice. Well, on that note, that's it for our episode 14. Well, well, hold review. on. I didn't get to do... Jeez. Oh, Trevor. <laughs> Man. Oh. snubbed here. Trevor. Cut him. Nobody cares. Nobody you cares. You know, okay, as a child, I definitely... W- I'm sorry, Trevor. As a child, I would have probably put the cat sketch as my number one. <laughs> but as an adult, I, I do really like the... Uh, my routine sketch. However, I've got to say, like, there's one sketch that I really didn't like in this episode that we didn't talk about much, and that's the teacher's secret affair, which I thought was just a really kind of dumb premise, you know? Mm. Yeah, yeah. And it had weird timing, and it dragged quite a bit. Like, there was a lot of parts where he was legitimately boring. But I did want to give Dave props on that one because I think he portrays the boring, earnest teacher really well. Coming back, that was mm. a good performance. Going back to the acting, yeah, with I, a sketch that just did not really hang together in my mind. You know, like it was, it I'm was almost like the the sketch with with a middle but no beginning or end. Mm. I like that. 
nice preview for future episode there, Trevor. All right, that's it for episode 14. <laughs> Join us next week for episode 15. We'll be hosted by Hans, nope. and we cut off Trevor three to four more times. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Kith and Tell, everybody. <laughs> Bye. 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 Cut it!